I ask that you would help me to preach your word. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would come and minister and touch our hearts so that we'll be ready to receive it. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to every life that's here. I pray that you would minister, that you would encourage, Lord, that you would edify. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, do what only you can do. We're wholly dependent on you. We call on you right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You can be seated in Jesus' name. It's just a good spirit in the place this morning, isn't there? I just feel the peace of God. It's just a good, a good spirit in the house of the Lord today. Uh, and I know the Lord's just begun what He's going to do. My title this morning is Racing Against Myself. Say it, Racing Against Myself. I ran a race not too long ago. <coughs> Generally, if you see me running, run fast because something bad is chasing me. I don't like to run. But I ran a race the other day, and it was a 5K. I didn't know what a 5K was until I was already entered into the race. That means you're going to run over three miles. And I didn't know how to convert Ks into miles. Um, but, but that's what that means. It's, it's three point something miles, three point way too much. That's how many miles it is. And um, I had a student that had asked me earlier in the year. Obviously, I wouldn't do this on purpose. Um, I had a student ask me earlier in the year, she said, I'm trying to do a fundraiser for St. Jude's, which is a, a wonderful charity. And so I said, yeah, I'll support you. Well, then later I, I found out the way you support is to run in this race she was putting on. Now, kids are dreamers. They tell me they're going to do things all the time. So even then I wasn't too worried about it. Oh, yeah, you're going to put a big race together. Get it, girl. Well, I shouldn't have doubted her. She's an exceptional student, and she pulled it together with some help of some classmates and friends, and, and they hosted a 5K in Forest City. And she reminded me a few weeks out that I was scheduled to be running in this 5K, and I needed to pay my entry fee. And I said, well, can I just pay my entry fee and not actually enter? And she said, well, no, that what, what may, you've got to have the runners, and it's a, a big part of bringing people there in the community, all this stuff. And, and so I was in no shape to run. Um, I haven't ran in 20 years. And in the last year, they, after shocking me for a while, they've told me that I have neuropathy in my hands and my feet. It's hard to run when your feet go numb. And I wish my knees would go numb, but they just hurt. Um, so I knew I wasn't in shape to run. I had no desire to run. Um, I knew I couldn't win, and that, that really hurt. Because um, I'm a competitive son of a gun, and, and I wanted to win, right? I, and, and so if I, if I could turn it back a couple decades now, I would have been ready. But I knew I couldn't win. I didn't want to run. And the problem I had is that I had told her I would. I had given my word. And, and now it was time to be a man of my word. And so I, I, hate, I hate to lose. Um, but I'd hate to be a liar even worse. So I said, well, I'm going to go and give it a shot. And so when I got there, you know, you had to scope out the competition. I was looking around. And I didn't really see any other guys. Now, there were some, some men that were serious runners. You could tell. They looked like runners. They were in it to win it. There were a bunch of young guys there. And I looked around, and I honestly didn't see another guy on this side of 40, a little soft in the middle. I didn't see anybody that looked like me. You know, I, I didn't even have running clothes. I, I was wearing my weed-eating shoes and my grass-stained old beater tennis shoes and a pair of sweats. I, I, I looked homeless, but I was ready to, I, it's what I had, you know? I, I, and so here I was ready to go, and these people are all, they got it together, man. They got the official gear. They looked the part. I just know it's not going to go good for me. You know, I'm getting it in my mind that just accept losing here. And so I started seeing who I could run with, and, and I realized, you know, I, I never said I was going to go fast. And so if I can just finish, that's something. I kept my word. And so what's the difference in running a race and walking a race? You know, I was thinking I could walk. 
Well, when the race was about to start, there was a, a large number of, of middle-aged ladies that were there, and they were planning to walk. And, uh, and I had just enough pride that I couldn't walk with the ladies. I just wasn't ready to be one of the girls. And so I found some boys from my school, uh, three young guys, and they're all athletes. They were ready to sprint. And I talked them in to running with me. And I let them know up front, there's not going to be any sprint. You know, let's just get that out of here. We're going to have to find somewhere in the middle. I was going to walk slow. You were going to run. Let's just kind of compromise and find something that we can both do. And so, um, so fortunately, I recruited these boys and they were willing to, to run with me. And, and they, they thought they were going slow. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> they were definitely pushing me to do what I wouldn't have done on my own. Um, and it was a little embarrassing, honestly. Like, I knew I was out of shape, but I didn't know I was that out of shape. You know what I'm saying? And so I was running, and there was this lady that was ahead of me. And I was trying to make little small goals that were achievable. So I would try to, like, if I can pass that person... Then I'm a little further up the range, you know. Well, there was this lady ahead of me, and at first I wanted to pass her, and then I realized that wasn't going to be possible. Uh, but she had, the, what made it embarrassing was not that I was getting beat by a woman, because at this point I was going to get beat by a lot of women. Uh, but she had her little girl running with her to give her company, maybe four or five years old, big pink bow, cute little girl. But she's just that age where they keep looking over their shoulder, you know. And I'm, I'm running behind her, about to fall out. And this little girl is just looking at me, smiling. So look over the other shoulder. And so finally, I told the guys around me, I said, let's catch that little girl. You know, I may not be able to outrun everybody, but that little girl is not going to beat me. Well, she heard me say we were going to catch her. And all of a sudden, she put her head down. And I don't know if she wanted to win or if everything she had ever heard about stranger danger came to her when the 40-year-old guy said, I'm going to catch you. But she put it in a gear I didn't have. And that little girl ran off and left me. We, we went a little further, and they had people along the way with signs saying, you can make it, a bunch of storytellers. Uh, but they were handing out waters, and they had these little, little waters they would give to everybody. And me and these three boys came running up, and they said, well, we're supposed to give you these little waters, but we've got some big waters back here. I think they were their personal waters. And so they said, we'll give you all the big waters. And I would like to think it was because they thought the boys I, were running with, I was running with looked good, because it was teenage girls. But I think I just really looked so bad that they were like, if we don't give this guy some water, he's not going to, that little water is not going to cut he needs more than they have here. And so we ran a little bit longer. And I never ran a race. I'm not seeing clear at this point. And I almost went the wrong way. I almost disqualified myself. I almost got a better time because the race went up a hill. And I didn't see why anybody would want to run up a hill. And so there was a little cutoff road. I just assumed that had to be it. But, but uh, they caught me and told me I needed to straighten it out and make it up the hill. And so as we were coming back, we passed a police officer, and he's just driving the roads because it's in town, and, and he offered to give me a ride back to the finish line. Wasn't that nice of him? Um, he thought he was being helpful. He said we could get in his car, and he would, we didn't even have to commit a crime. He would just give us a ride right back to the front if we needed it. Um, and again, I like to think it was because the guys I was with were struggling, but there was only one person in our entire group that was struggling. Um, but, you know, I made it. I got, we got near the end, and, I mean, we're bare. I mean, it doesn't even really qualify as a jog at this point. Um, we have the motion of a jog, but I'm going slower than a walk. I don't know what you would call that. But just kind of one foot above the other. And we get to the final curve, and they have everybody that's organized the race, the community people there, whatever the crowd of spectators are. Uh, there was a, a, a guy who was hitting up people for money. Um, even he was there. There's just people, all kinds of people at the end. But all the people who had ran before and finished, I didn't know how it works. They hang out at the end. And then whenever you come approach the finish line, 
they cheer like crazy. And they scream like you just won the Olympics. And so as we round that final corner, man, I'm not going to come dragging across when you got that many people hollering. Man, I put it in a sprint like I've been hauling it the whole time. And I, I ran as fast as my old legs could carry me. Just that, I look good that last corner. It was quite an experience. It was my Alpha and Omega. That's the, the first and the last one I'll ever run. Uh, I said I did it. Unless another student cons me into it, I'm done. That was it. That was my career. Uh, but you know, that's not the end of the story because they all waited and cheered for me. So when I got to the end, I waited so I could cheer for the old ladies that were walking. And they didn't finish that much after me, actually. I should have just walked with them. But uh, when they came in, we cheered for everybody that got there. And after everybody was in, they started giving out awards. And so they, they had some guy who, who ran it in just some ridiculous number. I'm sure he cheated. There's no human can run that fast. And they just keep going through and they called him in. And, and they awarded, not just if you won the race, but the way they, they work is you have um, different categories. Um, and so they have men's and they have women's and they do it by age. And so they're calling out these people and they have these ridiculous times and I clap for them, we're taking pictures of them. And then they got to the 35 and 45 year old male and first place is right here in front of him. Oh <laughs> Now, before you get too excited, it turns out I was the only 35 to 45 year old male. And so I ran that whole race against myself. There was no way I could lose unless I didn't finish. I should have run with you. You would have beat me. Unless I didn't finish, unless I was disqualified in some way, I couldn't lose. Now, the scripture compares our journey to heaven and our journey through this world as a race. It's, it's the analogy that probably is used the most in the New Testament. We're in a race. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people wonder if heaven's going to be their home. Am I even going to make it? Can I make it? Yes. Uh, and we compare ourselves to one another. And I, I see people who are running a whole lot faster than me. I've got peers who are doing a lot more for the Lord than I'm doing right now. It seems like they have the golden touch. I've, I've got people that even I was instrumental in them coming into the faith and serving the Lord. And, and now they've outpaced me. They're like the little girl with the pink ribbon who kept looking over her shoulder. You know, they're wondering when I'm going to catch up. And, and sometimes we compare ourselves to one another. And the Bible says, if you do that, you're a fool. Do you know that? You're not racing against me, and I'm not racing against you. We're racing against ourselves. The point is to finish the race. And everyone that finishes gets a crown. If you can just finish your course, you win. The only way you don't win is if you don't finish or if in some way you are disqualified. Right. A lot of people don't like to think that you can be disqualified, but the scripture is very clear that you can start the race, but disqualify yourself before you finish. Let's read what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, do you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. Everyone that actually wants to win has to be temperate. Is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. Just like people in the world, besides for me, everyone else there seemingly got in shape before they tried to do this. They were temperate. They denied themselves. They exercised ahead of time. They had discipline. 
and, and physical exercise is good, but it doesn't compare to what I'm talking about this morning. You've got to learn to be temperate, to exercise your faith, to discipline your flesh. And so he said, if people will do that for a temporary crown here on earth, what should we be willing to do for an eternal crown in heaven? He said, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. I made up my mind. I'm, I'm running for a purpose. Thus, I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul said, I'm an apostle. I'm a believer. I'm a preacher. The only thing that can stop me if after all of this, I become disqualified. If I become a castaway. You're racing against yourself. The only way you don't win is if you quit or you disqualify yourself. Right. You've got to run with purpose. It's imperative that you finish. There are a few things that I did right. I told you I wasn't in shape. That was a big thing I did wrong. But there were a few things that I did right. First, I didn't try to go it alone. I don't know that I would have finished if I had been running by myself. The temptation would have been too easy to say, does it even really matter? What's the point? And at some point, my achy body, my burning lungs, and, and, and my dehydrated sweat pores, I don't even know if I could sweat anymore by the end. At some point, I would have weighed the cost and said, you know, this maybe cost a little more than I had planned on. I can justify I've given my contribution. I've showed up. I've ran the race. I just didn't finish it. I haven't technically lied. I tried to keep my word. I never told her I would finish. I told her I would run. And I could have talked my way out of there and not even felt bad. Right. But I had three young guys who are running backwards talking to me running beside me, running circles around me. And I couldn't quit with them running beside me. One thing I did right was I wasn't arrogant enough to try to do it by myself. There are a lot of people who struggle serving the Lord and even fall away because they don't understand our need one for another. That's right. The Lord never said that an individual would overcome the gates of hell. He said it's the church that's going to prevail. The church is God's idea. People didn't make it up. I don't care what the silly memes on Facebook say about you don't have to be in the church. You are the church. You are not the church all by yourself. Right. And I'm not the church all by myself. We're lively stones by which he's building a kingdom. But we don't mean anything if we're not joined together with one right. another. Amen. We don't accomplish anything. He can't build anything with a single stone. You are not the body of Christ. The Bible says we are the body of Christ. Right. Not you and not me. It says each of us are members individually. And your members of your body can't accomplish anything without the body. Right. In fact, there isn't any member that's important enough that if you took it out of the body, it could survive. The spirit of life can't reside in a member. It resides in a body. And the same is true for the spirit of God. We are the body of Christ. That is corporate. Together, we're the body of Christ. Don't try to do it alone. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says... <laughs> Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. That means coming together as believers. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. In modern vernacular, we would say we're having church. Can I put it in common English? Don't skip church. 
Well, how many times do I need to come? Well, probably more than we meet because this is what he said. We know in the early church that they were daily in one another's homes and they were praying and they were breaking bread and they were teaching. They were having church. And they were going to the temple daily and they were praying. And after doing all of that, listen to what he says. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Now that generation, we would have thought they were the most faithful if we saw them today. And he said, you're going to need each other more. You're going to need to pray together more. You're going to need to assemble together more. Even more than now as we see the day approaching. This was 2,000 years ago. So how much do we need the church today? If you couldn't make it back then, and it would be more needful as we got closer, we are 2,000 years closer. I want you to be honest. If you're not faithful to church, are you struggling spiritually? Yeah. I don't have to convict you. You've just got to be honest. Right. Amen? Amen. If you're not faithful to church, are you struggling? If you are, why burden yourself? Why struggle? Receive some help. We exhort one another. We each have a measure of faith. When you come to the house of God and you don't feel like singing, your song is gone and you're surrounded by people around you who are singing to God, it just makes it easier. When you come to the house of God and you're feeling despondent and we get to the altar and people are praying and they're worshiping God and you feel the spirit moving among the congregation, it's just hard to sit back and not respond. You can justify it if it's just you, but what I'm going through and the shape I'm in, I'm not in shape for this. Spiritually, I'm not right. I'm just, and you can explain it away. But when you get together, it's just hard to quit when you've got people around you encouraging you, exhorting you. The body edifies the body. You need us and we need you. Amen. Amen. I need you. I wouldn't try to pastor without people who are praying for me and united with me. And you shouldn't try to serve God without the church there for you. Amen. 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 There's a lot of Bible for that. Yes. And there's a lot of people who claim to be Bible believers who completely ignore it. That's true. You're trying to do something that the Bible doesn't make allowance for. That's right. We need each other. Oh, and yeah. not just from a distance and not just online. Sometimes that's all we can do. But if, it, if it's possible for you to get to the house of the Lord, there's something about being in the house of the Lord. There's Amen. something about the atmosphere when the saints begin to pray. Yes. There's something about laying hands on one another. In fact, the Bible tells us that's foundational to our faith. Amen? Amen? Yes. Amen? Amen? That wasn't even my sermon, but it was good. So... <laughs> That's just for fun. We need one another, don't we? We need the church. Another thing that I did right is it can be a strength or a weakness, but I'm really stubborn. Jude got it from somewhere, right here. I'm really stubborn. And the fact that I had made a commitment kept me going. Again, I could have said, well, my knees hurt. If you're injured, nobody can blame you for being injured. And I was injured. My knees hurt. I don't know how many days they swelled afterwards. My lungs hurt. I just wasn't ready yet. You know, a bit off more than I could chew. No one would fault me. I had a lot of reasons. And if someone else was in my position and gave me those reasons, I wouldn't fault them. Yeah. It was simply the fact that I told him I would do it. Truly. That's the only reason. And I had made a commitment. Even though I didn't really know everything that I was getting into. I didn't know the Delta even had a heel. Much less that I was going to have to try to run it. (laughs) 
I didn't know what I was, you know, a lot of people when they start serving the Lord, they're, they're good until they get into some things they didn't expect to get into. Right. Till there's some tragedy that comes their way. Till their family doesn't go the way that they, their family doesn't look like the perfect little Christian family and their faith gets a little shaken. Some things happen and they're offended. They get sickness and they pray just like you should and they don't get healed and someone else does. There's so many things that there are, are Parts of the journey that we don't know are going to be there before we get there. Right. There's some hills that can be a surprise sometimes. And if you're not committed, you can say, well, I wasn't ready for all of this. Yes. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. I'm not strong enough. But if you've committed, you can make it through whatever you're facing. You've got to care about your commitment. And I believe everyone here has made a commitment to the Lord. Right. And so if you care about it, Jesus said, if you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. You will talk your way out of finishing if you're looking back. The only people who make it to the finish line are those who are committed to finishing. Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. You've got to have some endurance when you're running. Remember when you're racing. You may be running, you may be walking, you may be barely crawling, but just keep going. There's an old saying, if you're going through hell, keep going. You just got to keep going. Whatever you're facing in your family, in your personal life, in your health, spiritually, whatever temptation comes back, just keep going. Put one foot in front of the other. Just make up your mind, I'm going to finish what I started. The only way that I can lose is to quit. The only way I can lose is to do something in some way that disqualifies me. But I'm racing against myself. As long as I make up my mind to make it with the help of the Lord, I'm going to make it. Amen. As long as you make up your mind, there isn't a devil in hell that's big enough to stop you. You're going to make it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, you can make it. Don't be discouraged. You're a victor. It's already done. You've just got to finish your course. So how do we finish our course? And how do we be sure that we don't become disqualified? Well, one way you finish your course is to be sure that you're on the correct path. I told you I almost made a wrong turn. I would have had a great time because I would have cut off a quite a bit of my journey. And I thought I was right. I wasn't even trying to cheat. There were signs everywhere. I just wasn't noticing the signs. There were directions. They had chalk, I think, on the ground, even pointing arrows. I didn't know what to look for. I'd never ran a race before. I just kind of followed people until they were too far out of sight. And then I just kind of did what felt right to me. <laughs> Fortunately, they stopped me before I disqualified myself. You got to be sure you're on the right path. Right. And the world will try to tell you there are many paths that lead to heaven. That's right. The Bible says just the opposite. Right. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 14. Jesus said, because narrow is the gate and straight, confined is what that means, is the way which leads to life. There are few who find it. Not everybody, not most people, not even everyone who names the name of Christ. There are few who find it. Jesus said, I am the way. Not just one of the ways, not just a way. Jesus said, I am the way. If you want to be sure that you're on the narrow way, if you want to be sure that you found the right way, if you want to arrive at your heavenly destination, there's just one way to get there. And it's Jesus Christ. Amen. You've got to be sure that you're following him. You've got to be sure that he's the one that's leading you. You've got to be sure that you are in Christ. 
Are you in the way? Because the way has a name. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. There's one way, and it's Jesus. You've got to get in Jesus. You can't go your way and still be going his way. That's why you've got to repent. There are many, Jesus said, who they're going to have said, Lord, Lord, but they're not going to enter because they didn't do the will of the Father. The plan of God from the very beginning was that Jesus is the only way to salvation. And so we've got to be sure that we are in Christ. So we repent and we turn to him. We follow him. But you know, even baptism, the Bible describes us as getting into Christ when we're baptized. That's why baptism was emphasized so much in the New Testament. It's not just a matter of getting in the church, getting your name on the roll, but it's getting into Christ. I'm making a commitment. I'm pledging my very life. I'm, I'm being spiritually circumcised. I'm marked forever that I believe Jesus is the answer for my sins. And I believe Jesus is able to save me. And I believe Jesus is able to give me new life. So Romans chapter 6 verse 33 says, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. If yeah. he's the way, you've got to get in the way. That's right. You've never been baptized. It is the pattern of the scripture. Right. Yeah. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Yeah. I've got to get in the way. Amen. The way that leads to heaven. I've got to find it. I've got to continue in it. So how do you know that you're following Christ? Well, we've got some guides. There's some signposts. We've got the word of God. We've got arrows marking the way. We've got the word of God. Don't take my word exclusively for how to get to heaven. Get in his word and make sure that I'm telling you the truth. You're noble if you study the word. I don't feel threatened. This is the right. way that we're going to make it to heaven. Amen. Get into the word of God. Amen. Be led by the spirit. Jesus said, when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's not just about spiritual goosebumps. It's not even just about speaking in tongues. We believe in all of that. But he said, when you receive the Holy Ghost, it's going to convict you. It's going to reprove you. It's going to lead you into all truth. Amen. So the spirit guides us. And then, of course, the ministry as well is there for our admonition to guide us. It's God's plan that you have a preacher in your life. Right. By the preached word that we're saved. That's the purpose. And so we've got guideposts to, to point the direction, to make sure that we're on the right path. But can I give you a very easy test you can do for yourself? If you want to be sure that you're in Christ, that you're following Christ. You cannot be in Christ and be in sin at the same time. True. And I'm going to prove it to you from Scripture. I'm not just saying that. You can't be living in Christ and living in sin. That's right. Romans chapter 13, verse number 14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and what happens when you're in Christ, when you've got Christ on, when I'm right in the middle of this Christ-centered life, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. You've got a choice. I'm going to live in my flesh or I'm going to live in Christ. How about 2 Peter chapter 2? Let's start with verse number 15. Speaking of people who were in the church, he said, they have forsaken the right way and they've gone astray. See, they were on the path of salvation, but something happened. They went astray. They are following the way of Balaam. He loved the wages of unrighteousness. They went from loving God to loving the pleasures of sin, the wages of unrighteousness. And he says in verse 21, 
For I, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. These aren't unbelievers. These are people who knew the way of righteousness. He says they had been set free and liberated from sin even. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. That's right. They turned away. He goes on to say the end for them is worse than before they even knew about the Lord. Right. Can oh, you yeah. imagine someone who has heaven promised to them? Just finish your course. Yeah. Just hold the faith. Just be faithful. Nothing can stop you. No one can stop you. You're racing against yourself. Right. And people still oh, yeah. go astray. Paul said it this way. I read it earlier, but I want to emphasize it now. Paul said, I discipline my body. And I bring it into subjection. Mm -hmm. Everything that feels right isn't right. The great apostle said, I've got to bring my body into subjection, lest I myself should become disqualified. Yeah. After all of the churches he had started, after the holy scripture that he had transcribed, he said, I can lose my reward. I can be disqualified. So he wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. He said, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. It's a funny thing to tell people in church, isn't it? Yeah. This wasn't an evangelistic letter to the world. It was an a, a epistle to the church. And yet he's telling people in the church, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? He's the way. I got to be in him and he's got to be in me. Right. Unless indeed you are disqualified. Yeah. In Titus chapter 1 verse 16, he talked about people who would claim to be believers. He said, they profess to know God. But in works, they deny Him. I know you can't be saved by your works alone. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can't boast. We're His workmanship. However, true faith is always <laughs> manifest in our works. James 2 says, faith without works is dead. And then James goes on to let us know that it cannot save. If we're not willing to live what we believe. And so you can tell what you believe in by what you do. What you really value, what you really believe in, what you're really trusting in. Whether you're living in this, for this world or living for the next. Whether you're living for yourself or living for God. Whether you're more concerned about the opinions of men or the opinion of God. Is going to be evident by the decisions that you make. By what you do. Jesus. And so Titus chapter 1 verse 16 says, There are people who profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. Right. Their mouth says He's Lord. He's the master. He's the teacher. But in the way they live, they do the opposite of everything that He said. He said they are abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. They disqualified themselves for the good things of God by the lifestyle that they've embraced. Now, this is not a message of condemnation this morning. If you strayed, get back on the right path. I don't know if there's anyone here who hasn't veered at some point. Get back on the right path. There's still one way. And you have the advantage that you found it. You know where to go. Come back to the same altar. Make the same commitments. Get right with God. If you try to get in any other way, you're a thief and a robber. 
but you're welcome to walk through the door. Amen? Amen. You can't seek a prize that you're disqualified to receive. This is what the Lord said in first in his word uh, recorded by the Apostle John, the beloved. In first John chapter one, verse number six. Since if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Shall I read it again? I'm walking with the Lord. He's the way. I'm not judging you. But Jesus said there's one that judges you. It's the word. Right. So John penned this, but it's the word of the Lord. This is what the word says. If we say we have fellowship with him, but we're walking in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You know, a lot of people aren't comfortable around the things of God because they're doing wrong. Jesus said he came to save the world, but the condemnation was that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Right. Some people won't come to church because they know they're doing wrong. <coughs> And the word of God has a way of exposing your hidden motives. Yeah. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You are welcome. Oh, and man, yeah. we want you here. We want you learning to live yeah. for God. You should feel fellowship among a body of believers as long as you're in the light. True. And the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. I'm glad he clarified this. Oh, yeah. Because you can be in the light and make mistakes. True. You can be walking in the light and sin. That doesn't mean your heart's full of darkness. That doesn't mean you're back to where you were before you ever came to the Lord. In fact, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. There's two ways we can deceive ourselves. One is by being in darkness and convincing ourselves we're walking with the Lord when we're clearly living in sin. The second way is to convince ourselves that we have no sin. We've got it together. Amen. They're both alive. Amen. The truth is when I walk in the light, I'm not perfect but I'm forgiven because the blood cleanses me as I'm in the light. I'm not perfect, but I'm sincere. I'm striving to live for God. I'm giving him my life. And so he says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Walking in the light means I'm sincerely trying to please the Lord. This is what matters to me. I'm on the narrow path. And when I make a mistake, I'm not going to justify it. I'm not going to turn aside. I'm not going to continue in it. But I'm going to say, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. Give me the strength, Lord. Pick me up again. I've got to make it to the end. I started this thing to be done. To finish it. Amen. We've got to be on the right path. Are you on the right path today? You've got to be on the right path or you'll disqualify yourself. And then you've just got to finish. If you quit, you're disqualified. And there are many people who start out running with joy. But somewhere along the way, they quit. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 to 39. It says, the just, I mean, you're justified, you're right with God. The just shall live by faith. Yep. But if anyone, that's in the church, that's outside of the church. It's anyone who starts living by faith. But if Anyone draws back. My soul has no pleasure in him. 
But we are not of those who draw back to perdition. That's destruction. There are people who are on the path. They're loving God. And then there's just a slow fade as they draw back away from the Lord. And they may not even realize what's happening to them. But they lose their passion. They lose their zeal. The deceitfulness of sin hardens their heart. And they lose the truth. If anyone draws back, God said, my soul has no pleasure in them. We are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. My brother, my sister, keep believing. Whatever was ever true is still true. The word of God is still true. If it was ever a sin, it's still a sin. Amen. If it was ever of eternal value, it's still of eternal value. If prayer ever mattered, then you better keep praying. If living right ever mattered, then you better keep living right. If being clean before God ever had any eternal value, it still does. We're not going to change what we believe based on the world around us. But we're going to keep believing to the saving of our souls. Amen. So if you quit, some people quit because they turn back. Other people quit when they fall down. And they just stay where they're at. They feel defeated. It's not that they believed a lie. It's not that they're necessarily serving sin in some gruesome way. But they just kind of give up. They stumble. When you read in your New Testament about the fence, it literally means to stumble. Psalm chapter 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way, though he fall. Did you know good men fall sometimes? Oh, sure. Good ladies fall sometimes. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. If you fall down, reach your hand up to the Lord and he will pick you back up. Don't stay down. Proverbs 24 and 16 says, For a righteous man may fall seven times. How can you be righteous and fall that many times? A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. The righteous just keep getting up. Micah chapter 7, verse 8. I wish you would get this in your heart. I wish I could get this in the heart of everyone that ever visited the church. I wish I could get it written in the tables of the heart of everyone that ever heard me preach. He says, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. If I stumble, if I mess it up, if I stumble into darkness, the Lord is going to be a light and I'm getting back up in Jesus' name. I'm running this race, amen? I may stumble, I may trip, I may get offended, I may get caught in a trap of the devil, but he cannot keep me. I'm getting up in Jesus' name. I'm standing up in faith. I'm going to make it with the help of the Lord. Hallelujah. So this is what the scripture says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. You ever seen someone who the Lord will forgive them, but they won't forgive themselves? They come to church and they feel like a hypocrite if they lift their hands and worship the Lord. When you're worshiping, you're not saying, look at me. I'm pointing to him. When you lift your hands, you're not saying, I'm so good. You're saying, Lord, you're so good. When you lift your hands, you're not saying, I don't ever need any help. In fact, you're reaching out your hands towards God, aren't you? It's about glorifying Him. If you really want to make it, you've got to lift up those hands that hang down. You've got to reach towards heaven. And He says, and the feeble knees. But I've fallen, but I've stumbled. 
not as strong as I was. Stand up again and make straight paths for your feet so that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. If you lay in your sins long enough, you're, you're going to end up being bent out of shape, being right. dislocated. You're going to have atrophy, and it's going to be harder for you to stand back up. Don't make a mistake. Little children, sin not. But if you sin, we have an advocate. Try your best. But when you stumble, that's what grace is about. Get up with the help of the name of the Lord. Get up in faith. Don't listen to your adversary. Don't let him discourage you. Don't give up. Don't quit. Get up in Jesus' name. Before this thing becomes a permanent injury, I'm going to get up and walk it off. Amen. I'm going to get back in the race. I'm going to make it with the help of the Lord. He then says, pursue peace with all people in holiness. I'm back in the race. I'm back in the race. I'm seeking to be holy. I'm seeking to be a blessed peacemaker. I'm seeking to do the work of the Lord. That was just a temporary stumble. I didn't quit. Get back in the race. Get back in the pursuit. Amen? Sin is going to try to weigh you down. The weights of the world will try to weigh you down. People will distract you from your purpose sometimes. The world will try to conform you. Offense, as I mentioned, might come and cause you to stumble all the way to the ground. Some people, even kind people, like the police officer who was trying to help me, if you're not careful, they're going to lead you astray and you just might become disqualified. They're going to try to take you on a different path instead of faith in the Lord. They're going to try to take you in a different path in a way that you, you can do it on your own. In a way, or they may say, you know, religion's fine, but it doesn't take all of that. And they think they're being helpful. Just because they're sincere doesn't mean they're right. You know the way. You found it. You just keep on in Jesus' name. You keep running. We've got to have our eyes on the prize. Amen. Colossians 3 and 2 says, set your mind on things above and not on the things of this earth. Anybody heard any bad news recently? God's still good, isn't he? Get your mind on things above. Amen. Anybody had any plans fall through? Heaven's still real. Get your mind on things above. I'm not running it for this leg of the journey. I'm running it for the finish line. Amen. I'm not running it for the pleasure of the race. And I'm thankful the Lord gives us strength in the race. But I've got to make it to the finish line. That's what it's all about. Right. You've got to get back with the Lord. You need to strengthen yourself. Get heaven back in view. You need to, you need to have some, some refreshing. The Bible says that the spirit is like living water. So you don't have to thirst. If you're getting dry and parched, you need to get with the Lord. And you need to pray and build your faith up praying in the Holy Ghost. You need to pray till you're praying in the spirit. You need to pray till your inner man's been satisfied. And you have the strength to finish the journey. Amen? It's the spirit of renewal. It's the spirit of of refreshing. That's what the Holy Ghost is here for. You've got to make up your mind. You're racing against yourself. As long as you finish, your victory is secure. There's no turning back and your victory is secure. And some of us, and none of us really know, but we just might be rounding that last corner. As I was trying to tell myself, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I saw the welcome sight of that last corner. And it gave me a little bit of a second wind. And then I got a little closer. And I could hear the people cheering for the ones that went ahead. And I said, you know, they're going to cheer for me here in just a minute. I mean, I'm not stopping before they start cheering because I've been here sweating and toiling without anybody noticing. Somebody's going to be cheering for me in a minute. I'm finishing this thing. And this is what the Bible tells us in Hebrews um, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight 
are some things you need to get out of your life. They're a weight. Even if they're not a sin, they're a weight. Let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. We're nearing the finish line and you're going to see Jesus Christ. And there is a crowd, a, a, a crowd of witnesses, a great company, a cloud of witnesses, those that have gone on before. And if we could hear their testimonies, they would say, you can make it. God brought me through it. You're not the first one that had to deal with grief. You're not the first one that dealt with addiction. You're not the first one that, that dealt with the uncleanness of your of your flesh but but grace is greater than sin you can make it in jesus name you can do it in jesus there is a testimony there is nothing that's come on any of us that isn't common to man but the lord's able to make a way of escape amen they're at the finish line saying just a little bit longer just a little bit further we're going to be together forever and ever with the lord Hallelujah. I want to hear them cheering when we make it to the other side. Amen. I want to be among that number that's glorifying the Lord. Their testimony is that God brought them out and he's no respecter of persons. God will bring every single one of us out as well. But you've got to finish. Spectators don't receive a crown. You don't get a crown just because you attended church. Right. You've got to be a participant. No one can carry you across the finish line. I know, I checked today. I read the rules, how you can get disqualified from a 5K. I may do it next time so I don't have to finish if I ever get stuck in another one. But they said, you, if you want to be disqualified, put your arm around someone and, and carry them across the finish line. Help them. It sounds so nice. But, but then they didn't finish their race. You did. No one can carry you across. We can exhort. We can encourage. But you won't make it to heaven on mama's coattails. Right. And you won't make it to heaven on the strength of your praying grandfather. You're going to make it to heaven because you ran your race, because oh, yeah. you had the faith, because you gave your life to the Lord and you were striving to please him and to stay on the narrow way of salvation. That's how you're going to make it to heaven. Amen. You don't get there by proximity. Just because I'm in the house of God doesn't mean I'm in the church. You don't get there by knowing people who are making it. You're going to have to run with them. Make up your mind. I can't do it for you. Or I will make sure everyone I ever preached to made it to heaven. Yeah. Even Jesus lost one of his twelve, didn't he? No one can run your race for you. And they don't give you crowns at the starting line. I'm glad you started well. It sounds like what Paul wrote to the Galatians, isn't it? I'm glad you started well. But what's happened? He was so worried that they had turned off course that he said, if you don't correct course, then all my preaching to you is in vain. You ran well. What happened? They don't give you a crown just because you start. They give you a crown when you finish. And you can make it through this life with faith. You can make it through this life with all the fruit of the Spirit. Right. You can make it through this life and be a light in darkness. Because you're not doing it alone. But the strength of the Lord is inside every one of you. You're in Christ and Christ is in you. We're going to make it if only we will. This is what Paul said after saying, I need to be careful that I don't become disqualified. He examined himself and made sure he was in the faith. That he remained in the faith. He lived a life that was pleasing to God. In fact, he said, my conscience is clear. And then he concluded in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 
verse 7 through 8. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Earlier he said, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just beating the air. I'm actually in this thing. I'm invested. It's easy to look the part. You just got to get you a cheap tie and a suit coat. Everybody thinks you're good. You're shadow boxing. But I'm asking you when it's hard, are you still living by faith? Are you still striving to keep the word of God? Are you seeking to be obedient? See, he said, I'm not just shadow boxing. So now he's at the end. And he said, I fought a good fight. Hasn't been easy, but I just kept punching. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally. He had to endure. He's tired. But he says, finally. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. He's rounding that final corner. He knows he doesn't have long to live. And he has the peace of being right with God. Right. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. That same hope that he had should be the hope that's inside every one of us. Right. We've just got to finish our course. Would you stand with me right now? If you have sin in your life that you haven't repented of, you'll never make it to your destination by following the wrong path. In fact, in a race, if you take a wrong turn, you're disqualified unless you're on the right path. You have to run the race. If you're living according to the desires of your flesh, again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you have to be perfect or none of us would make it. There's only been one that's been perfect. But you truly have to live for God. That's what it means to have faith. The just live by faith. You're living a life that's pleasing to God. If you have sin in your life, I'm going to ask you to repent and ask the Lord to cleanse you of that sin. Maybe you don't have any glaring sin in your life, but life's kind of beat you down. You're wore out. You're tired. You try to pray, and it's hard to put your heart into it. You're just so wounded by life. You just need a refreshing. There's no reason for you to leave here thirsty. The spirit and the bride is saying, come and drink. There is a fountain. Amen. There's living water that will satisfy your soul. If you need a renewal in the Holy Ghost, if you can't remember the last time you felt the peace and the strength of the Spirit of God. If you can't remember the last time you prayed in the Spirit, I would make up my mind. I'm not leaving. I can't afford to take another step until I have that refreshing. I need that water. I can't make it without it. You can get what you need right here this morning. And it's worth a little seeking if that's what it takes so that you can make it to the finish line. If you've got weights in your life, if you've got things you need to lay down that have been crowding into your life and robbing you of all of your passion and robbing you of your zeal and robbing you of your time, and you'll know if you don't have any time in your life to pray or seek the Word of God, if you're not seeking the face of God, and you're just kind of stumbling around in the dark, that's not what God called you for. Do you hear me this morning? Go back to the Lord. Put your weights down. There may be some things you need to say, Lord, I'm going to give it up. If it's a sin, give it up. If there's other things you may just say, Lord, this is, this is taking too much from me. It's a weight. And I can't run the race with this around my neck. Do whatever it takes to make sure you cross the finish line. Amen? I'm in it to win it. And the only person I'm running against is myself. I've just got to bring my body into subjection. I've got to get my mind right. I've got to get my heart right. I've got to hold to faith. And one day, I'm going to see the Lord face to face. Oh, I want to make it. Amen. I'm going to make it. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm 
going to make it. And you're going to make it with me if we'll just continue to reach out to God. Why don't we do that right now? I'm going to open the altar. Would you come to the altar? I know I've preached a long time, and, and I don't want you to think we're just going to linger to linger. But I think it would be good for us to gather up here together because we're running this race together. Amen? Would you come with me? You're not doing this alone. Let's just stand, and for a few moments as she sings, we're going to reach out to God, lift our hands, our hearts to God. Let's make up our mind with the help of the Lord. We're going to make heaven our home. Amen. Let's pray together right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, we seek your face, mighty God. I pray that you would pour out your spirit on your church in Jesus' name. That's it. Find someone that you can encourage right now. Lay hands on one another. Let somebody know that they're not going through this thing alone, but we're all running.